with your kids to take you to children's worship. You can go ahead and head on out. The rest of us, we're going to continue our look this morning at uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 19. Uh, that text is in the bulletin and also up on uh, the screens behind me. Last week we uh, looked at the uh, verses preceding this where Peter gives a list of um, virtues and a list of um, things that are true, to be true of us, uh, because we belong to Christ, and then... Um, this morning, he's going to uh, go on to remind us. And so one of the things that I want you to do as I read the text uh, to you this morning uh, to help you pay attention. Um, isn't it funny how people get startled when, when you say that? Because paying attention is hard. It's really hard. Uh, it takes energy to pay attention, especially in church, Right? One of the things, one of the things that uh, I've, I've noticed uh, over time is uh, folks uh, use, scrolling through their phones during church, and I always assume they're reading the Bible, and um, or the bulletin, because you could get the bulletin that way too. But what what I think is going on there is uh, you, you might read here in the text, and something might challenge you, or or make you have to think about something, and it's just easier to do this, isn't it? So, but you know the funny thing about that is, um, there's a there's a person called the Holy Spirit, and he can even break through you while you're doing that. So you can keep doing that, and if he wants to get your attention, he will. So um, I get to watch that happen all the time. So we're going to read 2 Peter verses 1, uh, uh, verses 12 through 19. And the first few verses of this, what I want you to look for in the text is how many times Peter uh, uses the word reminder or recall or remember. That that's, that's a big, big theme uh, in this text uh, and, and what we're going to look at uh, this morning. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 19, uh, the text, uh, this, is, this is God's word and, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain." And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So what we have here is Peter's struggling to bring to us and to give us 
a reminder, and it's an important thing for him to do because he's recognizing that his life is almost over. Uh, Chris, put my, put my notes up there. So uh, Peter David says this, Naturally, the idea of reminder is especially important in a farewell statement such as this, for memory is all that will be left. Let me say that again. Memory is all that will be left. Now, um, most of us, all of us, believe in our heart of hearts that we're never going to die. Right? We think that, you know, I'm going to be the one that, that, that skips that. Right? We think that. Right. That's that's the way we we tend to think about it. And 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 certainly we think, well, you know, if I die, my memory is going to live on forever. People are going to say, you know, because the world was such a drab and dark place before Steve got here. And now that he's gone, the light's gone out again. Right. We just remember what how great it was to have him around, right? I mean, so, 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 the, so the fact of the matter is what, what happens to us is we think, we think we'll always be uh, reminded of that. And so we read this and we say memory will be the only thing that will be left. We're like, really? Really? That, that seems so sad because the truth is after a while the people who, who remembered you will have forgotten you or they'll be dead. And the people who will have remembered them, they'll be dead. And the people who would have remembered them, they'll be dead. We work hard at this. I, uh, one of the things you should do, if you ever get a chance, is you should go to Hollywood Cemetery, and you should walk around, and you should look. It's a beautiful place. In fact, it's one of the most beautiful places in Richmond. But look at all the monuments built out of stone, because we believe stone will last. And just walk through and look at all the stones, who the, the words on those stones have been washed away, eroded away. Isn't that that amazing? So what Peter's doing here is he's recognizing that his time on earth is about done. Now, uh, it's it's uh, he he recognizes that 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 it's important for him to leave some sort of a legacy. Some sort of a legacy. And so, so what he's going to do here is he's going to mention reminders or remembering things at least three more times in this letter. And so from here on out, for the rest of the next seven weeks, as we look at this text, one of the things that you always need to keep in the back of your mind is, these are the words of a dying man to people to remember certain things to remember the gospel. Now, he doesn't want them to remember him. He doesn't want them to remember who he was so much as what he wants them to remember is the legacy that they have, the, 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 the legacy that he can leave them in the gospel, in the grace of Jesus Christ, in, in reminding them of some very basic and, and foundational truths that will shape and change and direct their lives as his followers. So this reminder is Peter's gift at the end of his life in, in, in many ways, his last will and testament to the church. He believes that, uh, that his death is, uh, is going to come soon, and he recognizes exactly what is, uh, uh, what's at stake here. And so John Piper says this about, uh, about this. Chris, ne- next slide. 
This letter is Peter's last will and testament. It's as if he were reliving that day at the temple gate. Remember when he and John were walking to the temple and the beggar asked him for money and he and he healed him when he said to the cripple, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. He still didn't have any silver to will to anyone, but what he had was infinitely more valuable and that he wills to the church. An authoritative reminder of the precious and very great promise that Christ is coming again. I think if Peter could see us now, he'd be delighted that his letter was preserved in Scripture and that 1,900 years later he is still reminding and arousing the saints. So think about that for a minute, right? When Peter wrote this, he wanted to remind those people that Jesus would come again. And, and so he probably had in mind some people that he might have known or some people that he might have heard about. And here we, it, it probably could have never occurred to him that 2,000 years later that, that, that he would be reminding 2,000 years later, he would be saying, hey, remember these truths about Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say something about this that is so important. You know, it is, it is worthwhile to ask the question, what kind of legacy do, do we leave? What, what, what is it about us? What is it about us that people will remember after we're gone? What is it about what our lives are like? And so, you know, as you, as you think about that, as you think about your kids and your grandkids, you know, you're going to leave them wads of cash and houses and all that kind of stuff. That's your business. Whatever you want to do with that, that's your business. If you think that's important, have at it. But I will tell you, the thing that matters, the legacy that is most profound in the hearts and lives of the people that you leave behind is the legacy of the gospel is the legacy of the testimony of your life of Jesus Christ. Because one of the things that is true for us, one of the things that is absolutely true is because just as those stones wash away in the cemetery, the fact is that money will go away. Trust me, they won't spend it the way you want them to. (laughs) Okay? Uh, And it'll be gone. It'll be gone. But the testimony of the Scriptures to us is, is that when the saints lie in their rest, and they rest in the arms of Jesus for eternity, their testimony goes forward and has an impact millennia, literally millennia after they're dead. The work of Peter goes on even though he's been dead now for 2,000 years. His testimony to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ is ongoing. And so one of the things that we need to remember about that, and one of the things that is so profound for us about that is to think about that, that, that the, the time that we have, as Peter is recognizing his time is limited, that what he wants to do is bear a witness and a testimony to, to the love and to the mercy and to the power and to the strength that is Jesus Christ, that he's coming again, and that he wants his people to remember that. Memory is a powerful thing. Uh, as, uh, as my mom's memory has faded, one of the things that's true for her is she might not remember what she had for breakfast this morning, but she remembers conversations she had with her dad when she was nine years old. Um, her mother died when she was nine and um, left my grandfather at age 41 uh, with a, a, a nine, almost ten-year-old, and a five-year-old at home. And he had to work. And he was gone a lot. And my mom, 
was there in the house with her little sister. Now, there were ladies in the neighborhood, sweet ladies, some that I actually met uh, when I was a little kid who helped care for her. Um, but she, um, she struggled. As a 10-year-old, she came home every day from school, took care of her little sister, and she cooked dinner. She cleaned the house. She took care of things. Now, my grandfather, who I'm named after, who one of my sons is named after, was a mean guy. He's a tough guy, really tough. Uh, nobody in this church is as tough as he was. I don't think you know anybody as tough as this guy was. Uh, I could tell you things about him that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. He died in 1968. Uh, my, uh, my mom is struggling now because she replays times where she burnt the dinner and he was angry. Now, before you get mad at my grandfather, he lost his wife. He's got two little girls. Life's hard, really hard for him. And so my mom has been struggling a lot with that. And so um, my dad says to me, your mom talks to me about this every single day. Every day. He's like, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm really tired of talking about it. I was like, well, good, Dad. You know, this is, this is, this is good for you. This is going to build some patience in you. And he says, well, you know, she was going on about it the other day. And I said to her, Betty Jo, that's my mom's name. Let's get in the car right now. Let's drive over to Forest Lawn. Let's dig him up. <laughs> and you can confront him. And then he can ask for your forgiveness. And you can forgive him. And we can put him back in the ground. And we can finally talk about something else. <laughs> I said, Dad, how did that go? <laughs> He's like, it didn't work. She's still talking about it. It was like... Really? I wonder why, right? So, so, so the, the, the fact of the matter is, as you think about that and as you unpack this, 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 this issue of memory is a powerful thing. And so what Peter is recognizing here is that he wants to leave with these people, these saints, this memory. Because remember something about Peter. When Peter met Jesus on the seashore, what did Jesus commission him to do? Feed the sheep. Tend the sheep. Feed the lambs. And he's doing it. He's doing it. And he's leaving them a legacy that will feed them and tend them even after he's gone. Right? So it's a, it's a very profound and, and, and wonderful thing that, that, that he's doing here. And that here, 1,900 years later, he's still reminding and arousing the saints. Now, it's important to note to whom this is written. He says, here's something very interesting, right? He says uh, that though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Now, um, this is for people who know. This is for saints who are established. This is for those of you who know the theology, know the Bible. In fact, you have a hard time listening on Sunday mornings because you know what I'm going to say before I say it. Because you know it all. You've been well taught. You've been discipled. You've been to the conferences. 
You've read the books. You've listened to the sermons. You know it. You know it. Now I'm going to do something now that I never do. How many of you have been a Christian 10 years? You can raise your hand. How many of you have been a Christian 20 years? 30? 40? 50? We had a 50 at the early service, so this must be the young crowd, right? I have Martin. I'm just thinking you better get your hand up there. Yeah. Lyndon, Richard, yeah, y'all better raise your hands. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, hey, this is for you. The establishment. The pillars of the church. The ones who know everything already. The ones who, who should be the teachers. This is for you. This is for you. You need to be reminded. Isn't that interesting, right? So, uh, and, and, and the thing that is so profound about this is, is that, that we think, wait a minute, wait a minute, tell me something new. Tell me something unique. So give me some kind of twist on, on the things that I already know so, so that I can make sense of this world. Because the world is a hard place. The, the world is a dark place. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be reminded. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. Well, it's interesting what he says here because exact, that's exactly what he's getting at. He says, I want to remind you, right? He says, uh, and, and, and he says that he knows that his time is, is about to go away, right? And so what he says is that what he wants to remind them of is the fact that Jesus is coming again. Now, of all the things that he thinks that he needs to remind us of, why would he need to remind us of that? Well, I'll tell you why. You got up this morning, I got up this morning, and I turned on the news. And I see CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or whatever your preferred thing is, or you picked up the paper and you looked at it and you're like, that's discouraging. That's really discouraging. That's discouraging. And your very next thought was, thank you, Jesus, you're coming again. <laughs> right? Right? That was the very next thing you thought. So you, you know what? Peter's got you all wrong. You don't need to be reminded of that. You already knew it. How does this work? Well, what he says here is, is that this reminder is so profound for us because it enables us to be reminded of these essential and kind of foundational truths really matter because that is the light. It acts as a lamp. It acts as something to light our way in a place that is dark, that presses the darkness upon us, that puts us in a difficult position, that makes us forget, that stresses us out, that puts us in this situation where all of these other things seem to weigh upon us. Life is hard. Life is difficult. The world is broken. You need to be reminded. Thursday morning I got up, got up early. I needed to go to the hospital to visit somebody. I don't know about you, but May is a terrible month. School's out or getting out, and boy, you really want it to be out, you know. You've been doing all this stuff all this time, and you're like, it's May. I'm sick and tired of all this, you know. Uh, I'm ready for some nice weather. I'm ready to sit in the backyard and do nothing. I am, it's just stuff, 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 stuff. So, and I got up Thursday morning and I'm like, I got to get to the hospital. I got to get my work done. I got to remember to get the pink 
uh, bin in the car when I go to pick up my daughter, because if I don't have the pink bin in the car when I go to get her, I better not go. It wouldn't be worth going. <laughs> It'd be better not to go to forget her than to forget the pink bin, right? I better get that pink bin. I better better remember what I'm doing, where I'm going, and all this kind of stuff. And so I forgot to take the trash down to the end of the street. I've been taking the trash down to the end of the street for 30 years. And what makes it worse, what makes it worse is, as I told many of you last week, I uh, smoked uh, 12 pounds of ribs. Well, the, the, the bones, those ribs, were in the trash. But not really. There was one on the hood of my car. Because we have friends in the neighborhood who decided the smoky goodness they were smelling from the trash can needed to be gotten into. And so we have raccoons in our neighborhood, and they use their opposable thumbs to open up our trash can and get in there. And there's, there's a rib laying on the hood of my car, which should have served as a reminder. You know, you need to get this trash out of here because your neighbors would appreciate it if there wasn't a rib in their front yard as well, right? Well, life was pressing in on me. I have important things to do today. I forget the basic, the foundational. The fact is, Jesus is Lord, and he's coming again. I need to be reminded. The reason, too, that's interesting to me about this, the reason that he gives and the thing that he wants us to remember about the fact that Jesus is returning, that it will be like a day spring, that he's coming again, is something that I would not have chosen to use to remind the church. He doesn't remind the church of the cross. He doesn't remind the church of the resurrection. He doesn't even remind the church of the ascension, that Jesus ascended into heaven. What he does is he reminds the church of this by reminding them of the transfiguration. That's what he means when he says that he was an eyewitness to this thing, uh, eyewitnesses of his majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Right. So what he's citing there is the, the, the transfiguration. So one of the things that, that, that you have to see about this is that's a that's a pretty interesting, pretty profound way to to think about this. He's eager to remind us because of his eyewitness account. And that is important to note. He didn't make this up. He was there. He heard it. He saw it. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus and he was there that day on the top of that mountain where Jesus' clothes lit up and his skin lit up and he shone like the sun and it was stunning to see him like that and the the majesty that was there and the, the word from God the Father that this is my uniquely special son in whom I am well pleased, right? And so it was a profound thing for him to see. It was a profound thing for him to hear, right? And so he wants to remind people, not just that Jesus is coming, but what kind of Jesus is it that's coming? The Jesus that is coming is is majestic. He is excellent. He is beautiful. He is wonderful in his power and his might and his majesty. And he will come again in this power and might and majesty and redeem and restore and renew the whole universe. 
And see, the thing that's so profound about that is, is, is that as we see that, as we hear that, we forget it. Because that Jesus who hears those words, who shines like the sun in just a few days, will hang on a cross. And his glory will be made manifest to us in the fact that he demonstrates his love and his power and his grace in doing for us what we could never do for ourselves by making atonement for our sins, by dying our death, by purchasing us, by, by doing this thing for us which we could never do. And so he holds before us this majesty, this profound picture of, of the worth and the glory of Jesus Christ. And he says to us, listen, he's the one that's coming back. He's the one that is going to come. He is, and, and you need to remember that. You need to, to set your hearts and minds upon that because he's the one, and this is the one who is like this, who is coming back again. And you see why it's so important for us to remember that because we do live in a dark world and we live in a world where, where we easily forget. We easily forget uh, the, the glory and the majesty of Christ. And the reason why we do that is because there is so much in life that is so good, so wonderful, so profound. Next slide, please, Chris. Um. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But God is the substance These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the ocean. You see, here's the thing. If you're like me, you you know how rich and powerful and profound it is to, to be in the company of people who esteem you, who love you, who honor you, who value you, who tell you how great you are, who, who love you. And in fact, I'll do almost anything. I will manipulate, I will do almost anything to get someone to say that, to, to, to do that, to, to love me in that way. But as rich and as wonderful as the sweetest day with the sweetest people, the most wonderful day with the most wonderful people is but a shadow. It's just a shadow. Because the real substance, the real thing, is the face of Jesus Christ in glory, looking at you, owning you, knowing you, redeeming you. Edward says, these things are like little streams, but God's the ocean. My dad grew up in the mountains in East Tennessee uh, and had never seen the ocean. He got married at age 20, and uh, that summer that he and my mom were married, uh, they had a weekend. Uh, he got off work on a Friday night, and he's decided, you know what? We're going to the ocean. Never seen it. I want to go see it. So they borrowed my uncle's car because my mom and dad, can you believe that? Those kids, 19 and 20, don't even have a car, and they're married? Yeah, all right? None of you kids, none of you kids do that ever, right? Make sure you have a car before you get married, right? 
And so they decide, we're going to go. My dad's like, I've never seen the ocean. I want to go. So they get in the car and they drive. With my mom's little sister, by the way. She was 15. That tells you a little bit about my dad. So they're in the car. Actually, it's a pickup truck. All three of them in the front seat of the pickup truck, they drive to the beach. And, of course, they left after work. They got there at dark. My dad parks the truck, and he heads towards the ocean. And he goes out, and he stands on the beach. And he looks in the darkness. The wind is blowing. He hears the waves crashing, and he's terrified because he's never seen anything that big in his life. And it's scaring him. And he looks at my mom and he says, I've seen enough. Let's leave. <laughs> I, I, I can't take this anymore. This is terrifying. What's going to happen? Look at that thing. He's the ocean. Don't settle for the eyedropper. Be reminded that the majestic one is coming for you. He came for you. He has not forgotten you. And friends, when all of us who have known you, who have been remembered you, are gone, and you're turned to dust in your grave, Jesus knows you. And he will remember you, and he will call you out on that day. Let's pray. Lord, we, we confess uh, that we allow the darkness to overwhelm us, and we forget uh, the richness and the profound nature of your grace and your mercy and your power to us. F- forgive us for allowing... Uh, well, for forgetting, but Lord, we're so grateful today that you know that we forget and that you're rich in your grace and your patience to remind us. Lord, I pray especially today for the saints, and I don't say that tongue-in-cheek, I really mean it, for the holy ones that you have purchased and that you have bought who need a reminder today, that's all of us, of your majesty and your power and your grace pray that you would do that by your spirit. I pray that the light would come on and the darkness that we see uh, in our world and that we would be encouraged and restored and renewed by the promise of your soon coming. And so, Lord, I I pray today uh, that you would, um, uh, well, just give us hope in the midst of the troubles in the midst of what is so discouraging, in the midst of of all of these things, to see and to know the richness that is you, the ocean of grace and mercy and power and majesty and excellency that that is you for us. And so bless us, we pray, with a sense of that today. Lord, thank you so much that uh, you... um, Don't lose your patience with us, but you bear with us and you bear witness consistently and constantly to us of the truth. Thanks that it's not a myth. 
Thanks that it's the truth. And thanks that the witness that we have, the eyewitness account that we have, is one that is still bearing fruit in the church today. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.